Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. Our essay this week is called Prophets Among Us. It's based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, December the 14th, 2014, the third Sunday in Advent. It's a guest essay by Joan Big Bigwood award-winning novelist, playwright, and inspirational speaker Joan Bigwood is a descendant of too many Episcopal clerics to count, including her grandmother, Jane Cleveland Bloodgood, who was one of the first women to be ordained in the Episcopal Church. This spiritual legacy informs Joan's creative work, which she believes introduces Christ into the human story in many guises. Once again, a guest essay, Prophets Among Us, by Joan Bigwood. My most enjoyable and spirit-filled faith practice is currently Lectio Divina. I love steeping myself with other spiritual questers in just a few powerful lines of scripture. We always come away enriched, enlivened and emboldened to see God's will for us for the week. Lectio Divina is a spiritual sleight of hand. The tinier the bite, the greater the feast of insights. Simple, suddenly seized ideas and images blend into new perspectives. Equally, by studying scripture in a circle of fourth and fifth graders, one finds radical new meaning in familiar passages. These are two of the countless ways in which I have encountered the Word. Always, my work is to stay alert for the still, small voice that helps make straight my path. The lectionary for this third week in Advent is more like a long, loud bellow. Taken individually, the texts fall into place like candles on a wreath. But when viewed as a whole, it's one glorious blaze of witness to the light. For this week's lectionary is all about witness. Isaiah chapter 61 trumpets, God has sent me to proclaim good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoner. Whether it's to comfort those in mourning, to give them a garland of ashes, and the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit, or Isaiah means to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, Isaiah is bearing witness with his signature heartfelt enthusiasm. The same has to be said of Mary in one of the most famous of witnesses and expressed magnificently so. She says, He puts forth his arm in strength and scatters the proud-hearted. He casts the mighty from their thrones and raises the lowly. He fills the starving with good things 
and sends the rich away empty. Note the similarities in prophecy with that of Isaiah, and their echoes reverberate throughout John's gospel in chapter 1. Like the saints and martyrs of old, they all speak of humbly answering a call. They speak of reversal and its promise of salvation. They cry out from places of solitude, each of them, and their chorus rises up before us in a roar. We feel ourselves drawn into the fable-like first chapter and verse of the Gospel of John. There once was a man sent from God, and his name was John. Once upon a time. And yet this fable is not like the others. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. Think of the well-loved I am parables. I am the true vine, says Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the light. I am, he says to the Samaritan woman at the well, the great I am. But in chapter 1 of John, we experience the great I am not. No, I am not Elijah. I am not the Messiah. I am not the prophet. It is John the Baptist's notness that gives one pause. We are none of those people either. Yet we are tasked to spread the good news just like John the baptizer. Then they said to John, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Just as the prophet Isaiah said. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? If this wild and woolly man with bees in his beard is not the Messiah, then why is he baptizing people? He points out the simple distinction. I merely baptize with water. This begs the question, what's the next guy going to baptize with? Champagne? In fact, it rings so strangely that his response could very likely offer a clue. The kind of doublespeak we find in the New Testament that carries the key message. If so, we now have two clues. Number one, John the Baptist is not a lot of the same people we are not. Number two, he baptizes with water. We are people of baptism, and as such, we all share in the same water. With that, we all find our place in this story, which makes us, by divine association, witnesses to the same light. It follows that we are the ones who prepare the way of the Lord. John was referring to Isaiah when he spoke of the voice in the wilderness. We know Jesus himself invokes those exact lines in the book of Luke when he introduces himself as the long-awaited Messiah. But these words are our words now. We are the witnesses. 
There once was a man sent from God. His name was John. What is your name? Or, as the Pharisees demanded to know, who are you? Are you a prism for the light, spreading that light into the world? Or are you huddled under the covers, shining it on your worn page of scripture? And as a lone voice in the wilderness, what are you trying to say? Whatever our prophetic ministry, be it local, global, personal, political, or all of the above, these readings should remind us that we walk a well-trod path of prophets. If all of us could join our lone voices together, we would have not so much a feeble cry of warning as a chorus of praise. All it takes is a little imagination in a world of faith. John's Gospel begins with the word, there. Imagine the worlds contained in that one word, there. It is the first word of an immense and important tale. Now take away one letter and you have the word here, where it all begins, again. Amen. A guest essay by Joan Bigwood. For books this week, I review a title by Richard Rohr. It's called Eager to Love, The Alternative Way of Francis of Assisi. Cincinnati Franciscan Media, 2014. This book is 294 pages. One of Henry Nouwen's editors once joked that the Dutch priest kept writing the same book over and over. The Franciscan priest Richard Rohr has written some 30 books, many of which are variations on the same theme. Not very long into this book, he says as much in a footnote. He says, the idea that our deepest identity is hidden from us, and that the purpose of authentic religion is to help us recover our true identity in God, is the core message of this entire book, and really, my only message in all of my books. In this version of that theme, Rohr returns to his Franciscan roots to help us recapture the experiential heart of the gospel, its original and primitive form of life, which stands in stark contrast to spirituality that's little more than theological concepts, religious ritual, and institutional conformity. Authentic spirituality lives on the edge of the center, says Rohr, rather than at the conformist center. And so his definition of the slippery word mysticism. For Rohr, for Rohr the word simply means experiential knowledge of spiritual things, as opposed to book knowledge, secondhand knowledge, or even church knowledge. A perennial question arises at this point. How does the individual relate to the institutional? How do you bottle the lightning of the gospel with all its subversive implications without extinguishing the flame 
or shattering the bottle. It's an age-old conundrum that many people have observed, that nothing much happens without radical revolutionaries like Francis, but nothing lasts without institutions. As Rohr acknowledges, movements that do not institutionalize do not tend to last. This is as true for the Franciscan movement as it is for your local church. And so, thanks to Richard Rohr for challenging us to let go of the old, to make room for the new wine of the gospel. Richard Rohr. The title of the book is Eager to Love. For movies this week, we go to Australia in a movie called Tracks from 2014. Back in 1977, when she was 26 years old, Robin Davidson walked 1,700 miles across Western Australia's barren outback with her dog and four camels. When her article about the trip in National Geographic was wildly popular, she then wrote a best-selling memoir about the experience, which is also called Tracks, published in 1980. This film version recreates her feat. The most interesting part of the film is the beginning, when Davidson trains feral camels to accompany her. The camels were imported in the 19th century, and in the ensuing years became wild and populous. The trek itself is rather boring. There are sunsets, sandstorms, snakes, and sacred grounds that require the presence of an aboriginal elder named Eddie. The landscape is harsh and beautiful. There's an ambivalent relationship with a young photographer from National Geographic. Ambivalent because Davidson is a loner who was more comfortable with animals than with people. Once again from Australia, the movie is called Tracks. And finally, for the third Sunday in Advent, we've posted a marvelous poem by Denise Levertov. Levertov lived from 1923 to 1997. She taught at a number of places, including Brandeis, MIT, Tufts, and Stanford University, where she taught for 11 years, where her papers are now housed, and where she converted to Christianity at the age of 60. The title of the poem by Denise Levertov is called On the Mystery of the Incarnation. It's when we face for a moment the worst our kind can do and shudder to know the taint in our own selves that awe cracks the mind's shell and enters the heart. Not to a flower, not to a dolphin, to no innocent form, but to this creature vainly sure it and no other is godlike. God, out of compassion for our ugly failure to evolve, entrusts as guest, as brother, the word. 
Denise Levertov on the mystery of the Incarnation. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, December the 14th, the third Sunday in Advent. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.